can be. And I will be who it says I can be. Today, I will be taught the incorruptible, indestructible word of God. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Why don't you turn with me to Luke 10, Luke 10, verse 25 through 37. Luke 10, 25 through 37. And today we're talking about loving out loud. Loving out loud, loving out loud. And you know, a lot of times we live out loud. We even laugh out loud. But we don't necessarily love out loud. And so all those LOLs that you see, I want you to kind of focus on the meaning love out loud. That is a challenge for us to love out loud. When you're there, say amen. Are you there? All right, Luke 10, verse 25. And it says, and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, and that means he's tested him. He tested him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? How do you understand it? And he answered, said, Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said unto him, You've answered right. Do this and you will live. Do what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your might, and your neighbor as yourself, and you shall live. But he was willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, so who is my neighbor? You ever have a kids and you tell them to do something and they say, you didn't technically tell me to do it? You know, but, but you, you said to do it, but you didn't tell me to do it right now. That's kind of what this lawyer was doing. Jesus just gave him the answer to eternal life. And he said, but who is my neighbor? I mean, like, who is really my neighbor? And Jesus said unto him, to answer his question, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at a place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. And set him on his own beast. And brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed... He took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever you spend, if you spend more, when I come again, I'll repay you. Which now of these do you think was neighbor among him who fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said unto him, Go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. We're talking about loving out loud. We're talking about loving out loud. Do you remember when you were in elementary school or in Jamaica we say primary school? And there was a time your teacher would say, I want you to go home 
and find something very interesting, very unique. And I want you to bring it to class so everybody can see. We call that show and show and tell. And you would go home and you would look for your pink polka dotted striped elephant. Something that nobody else had. You would, you would try and find a penny that your grandfather had, that his grandfather had. Something that you know that was unique. Something that was private. Something that was personal. Something that meant something to you. But it wasn't public. But you were going to take it there to show and tell. Three, two things must happen for show and tell to be successful. You have to know something that somebody else doesn't know. And you have to show it to everybody else. And that's what loving out loud is. It's not just knowing what to do, but actually doing what you know. It's going beyond just head knowledge and applying it in everyday living. You see, God is trying to give us a message of how to love out loud. Many of us have been like the guy in the parable. You know, you were that certain man or that certain woman that was going on a journey through life, going down to your Jericho, and you encountered some bad company, some thieves. Some people that came into your life that took something. Maybe it was a relationship and you thought it was going to be forever. And they betrayed you. They took something. Maybe it was someone who ended up abusing you. They took something. Maybe someone who came and borrowed money from you. And they have borrowed it for the last 20 years. They took something. You know, you're that certain man that went and and it it says that they wounded him. You You were hurt. You were disappointed. You were let down. There was a broken promise. You were wounded. And it said to the point that he felt the person was half dead. Sometimes we have been in our lives at such a place that we don't even feel that we can breathe. It just seems so overwhelming that everything is sucking out, out, out of us. And we feel we cannot find enough oxygen to make it on the journey. And people pass us. You know? And some may ignore us. Some don't know what to do with us. But there is a good Samaritan. There was someone who decided to go beyond the borders, beyond what was normal, beyond what was expected, and said, I will love out loud. Now, can you decide in one time in your life that not only were you a certain man, but there was a good Samaritan who came your way? Was there somebody one time or another who lent aid to you, lent prayer to you, gave encouragement, gave you some money? Let you stay in their house, fed you. Was there ever a time somebody did that for you? You know, there was a time somebody did that for us. My brother, uh, Pastor Che, and myself, and I have a younger sister, Shakisha. And uh, there was a critical time in our life where our our fathers um, of music, he does music and producing and those kind of things. And he used to tour a lot. And when I mean a lot, I mean a lot. And so he would tour all over the world. And during this time, my mom was on drugs. And this was a critical time in our lives because I had the end of year exams, kind of like your SATs. I was at the end of my high school year and my sister was at the end of her elementary school year and she had to take a big exam as well to go into high school. That's kind of how it works. You don't just um, automatically matriculate in Jamaica because we don't have enough high schools to supply for all the elementary schools. So you have to take an exam to get to those schools. You understand? You have, so both of us were at critical times in our life. And this lady was a youth group leader. Her name is Yvonne Moore. 
And she was not only a youth group leader, she was also a true group leader. And she took three of us in. Now, that's okay if you have no kids. But she had three kids of her own. And then she didn't just take us three in because now we have six. She took another, a guy named Mark and a girl named Annalise. And so it was now eight children, teenagers in her house, her and her husband. She was a good Samaritan to us. She taught us how to pray. She taught us how to give. She taught us how to, to love people. She taught us how to go beyond what was normal. She mentored us, and we lived there and went through the, the exams. So much to the point that she was such a good Samaritan that she didn't just do that. When my mom was trying to come off of drugs, she took my mom in with us. Now, how many people would have really taken a drug addict into their house? I'm just putting it out there. She was loving out loud. And my mom, under her, her tutelage, under her discipleship, got to a place where she wanted Jesus Christ and got saved and born again. Because someone loved out loud. Someone loved out loud. So somewhere in your life, you may not just have had one good Samaritan. Because I've had more than one. But she was a very pivotal one for me. She changed the course of some of our lives. Because had we, you know, you have to understand that we were coming from a musical background. And so you know how that is. Everyone thinks that everybody from music is just sex, drug, and rock and roll. And so they have an idea of how we are growing up and they have an idea of who we are. And so some people rejected us, but thank God for the people who received us. Amen. And so we want you to thank God for the people who have received you. So even though you were a certain man at one point, that God sent a Samaritan somewhere along the line to encourage you, to love on you. Amen. Amen. And here's the thing. We have an opportunity to do the same thing. When we receive Christ and we're connected with God, we know something that everybody doesn't know. We know that there is a love that goes beyond. When we look at ourselves and we go, God, in light of you, we're not worthy of your love. But because of Christ, we have become deserving of his love. Then that qualifies us for so many things because he loved us first. We now have the opportunity to love him back. And many of you would say, well, Pastor Star, I love, I love God. I love God. I love God. And you know, it's not just good enough to know that you love God. We have to get to the point where we show that we love God. It cannot no longer be private. It has to become public. It has to become public. I believe that the Bible is very clear. That we need to show someone that we have the love of God in our hearts. Because you know what? We have to know be the Samaritans. We've been that certain man. And in some cases, we're even still that certain man. But that does not mean we don't have a responsibility to still be a Samaritan. It means that we have to still show love. We have to still show love. Here's it. He said, Jesus said to him, you answered right. You want to live? You answered right. Love God first with everything. But now he tied the two together and love your neighbor as yourself. What is he saying? It is impossible to say we love God in private and we don't love our brothers and sisters in public. That is what he's saying. 
He's saying we're on the inside going, oh God, I bless you. You're so wonderful. You're the greatest thing. And then when we come outside, we put on a helmet and an armor of shield. Don't talk to me. Don't touch me. Don't smile at me. What you looking at? We do all of that. You know, we, we do all sorts of antics with our fingers on the road. And that, that's not showing the love of God. We do not say bless them. We think of how we could just put nails in front of the wheels and just let them run off the road. You know, that is not what he's talking about. He's saying if we privately love God, we cannot separate it from the public display that we show other people. We cannot, we cannot do it. And so, you know, he said, who is my neighbor? Well, obviously, he was not a member of Word of Truth Family Church because he would know who his neighbor is. Turn to your neighbor. Turn to the neighbor on the other side. There's your neighbor right there. <laughs> Had he gone to any conference in the 20th century, he would know who his neighbor was. Here's the thing. We have to love others. John 13, 34 says this. A new commandment I give to you. That you also love one another as I have loved you. By this, by us loving one another, shall all men know... You are my disciples. Then he repeats it. If you love one another. Isn't it strange that he didn't say that you are my disciple if you pray long? You are my disciple if you take a, a something and beat yourself. You are my disciple if you go to the ends of the earth. You are my disciple if you fast. None of all of that did he say was how men would know. That we belong to him. That we look just like him. That we act just like him. Other than we love one another. We love one another. And love is not a feeling. Love is a choice that we make. That regardless of what is done to us. We will bless those that persecute us. And pray for our enemies. That's love. Love is taking the conditions off. And the only condition is the love of Christ. In our hearts. And we know how it is because he loved us and loves us without condition. For if he loved us only with condition, he would have never died for us. Because we would have never been worthy of that kind of love. But he says, love as I have loved you. What a tall order. Love as I have loved you. You know, then it says in John 4, John 4 1 John 4, verse 12. That no one has seen God ever. No one has seen God ever. But if we love one another, God dwells deeply in us. The way that we show that God is real, the way that people see God is when we love each other. When we love each other at home. You see, because see, you can come to church on Sundays. And you can smile. And you can show us all those pearly 100 teeth. And then you go home. And you make a plate for everybody but them. And you go home and they say, can I have some water? And you think, what's wrong with your arms? Aren't they working? But you would do it for someone else in the family who you weren't mad at. You see, you see what I'm saying? How is God seen? When we decide how we want to love, 
when we are doing it based on how we feel, when we do it based on our conditions, when we do it based on what you did to me and I'm going to do it back to you, tit for tat. See, we live in too much spiteful behavior and not enough God behavior. Because God did not woo us to himself by his judgment and by his punishment and by his withholding. He wooed us to himself by his giving, by his serving, by his loving in spite of how we behaved, in spite of how our attitude was, in spite of our past, in spite of the bad decisions we would make in the future. Still, he loves. And we have to take that into our everyday life. We have to take it to our boss. And instead of plotting their their death, we have to start plotting (laughs) their life. Because if we are the only Christ that they would see, woe be unto us that we had a moment of influence and we didn't take advantage of it because we were mad. 1 John 4.20, I love this. You can turn there if you want to. 1 John 4.20, it says this, verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he that loves not his brother whom he has seen, how in the world, this is me adding to the Bible here, how in the world is he going to love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loves God loves his brother also. When I tell you there are many more verses that say the same thing, there's a verse in Zechariah. It's from the Old Testament all the way through the New. God is saying you cannot separate and claim that we love him if we treat each other treacherously. If we treat each other with judgment and criticism. And gossip and backbiting and tearing down and not building up. If we're doing that, we cannot say that the love of God is showing across in our, in our hearts. And so we can't separate the two. The measure of our discipleship is not by the always be pray. But by the attitude in which we have towards our brothers. In the way we love them. That is how we measure our discipleship. So here it is. Luke 6.32 Luke 6.32, if you can turn with me to Luke 6.32. And I'm going to wrap this up for you. Luke 6.32. And this is what it says. I mean, Jesus was really, really good, really good, really good. When he taught, he really taught it. Okay, so here it says, verse 31. Okay, verse 30. You know what? Just go to 27. I mean, just, it's the spirit of my husband. He is upon me. (laughs) He had guided me to go to the scripture before. Verse 27. But I say unto you, which hear, I say unto you, word of truth. Love your enemies. Do good to them which hate you. Bless them that curse you and pray for them which despitefully use you. All those child support things. Pray for them that despitefully use you. 
I'm saying it goes both ways. On the one hand, you may have people who are not paying child support. And then on the other hand, you have people who are trying to extract more than is necessary. Pray for them. That's what the Bible is saying. And unto him that hits you on the one cheek, offer the other one. And him that takes your cloth, forbid him not to take your clo- other cloak also. Give to everyone that asks of you, and of him that take away the goods, ask them not again. Verse 31. And as you would that men should do to you, do to them likewise. Here's the scripture. For if you love them which love you, what thank have you for sinners do that? And we are not sinners no more. We are saints. We have to go a step higher. We have to go a step higher. So today and every day, we have an opportunity to show God. We have an opportunity every day, almost every moment of the day to act in love. We don't normally take the opportunity because we don't recognize it. That it's a moment of discipleship. It's a moment of reckoning for somebody to see, oh, God is real. God is real because I know she's going through, but still she's loving. I know everything is falling apart, but still she's loving because you know what? It shows us that shows others that we believe in God. The Bible says in perfect love, it cast out all fear. What does that mean? Because we know that we know that God loves us. We don't have to be afraid of what tomorrow is going to bring. We don't have to be afraid of, of provisions. We don't have to be afraid of, of people or enemies because we can trust that he loves us. And because he loves us, he's got our back. So therefore, we are free to love. There's nothing that needs to take up our mind space. We don't need to worry. We don't need to be anxious. We don't need to be stressed because there is no fear. No anxiety, no stress in perfect love, in mature love, because we know that he loves us. So now we are mature enough to love others, to give freely. So I want to challenge us. I want to challenge us. Every week, every day, we have a moment to love people. See, what I love about the story is it was a Samaritan that reached out. The person who was odd. The person who was different. You ever been in a place and suffered a prejudice? And you felt weird? And prejudice is not just an ethnic prejudice. It can be a size prejudice. You can be rejected for being the wrong size or having the wrong look or having the wrong height or wearing glasses or wearing braces. You know, and it was a Samaritan. The odd one didn't know much about God because remember now, the Samaritans were not the Jews. So they didn't have this, all this big, exciting knowledge, but the little he knew he did. You don't have to know much to do much. Little things can become great things. Small things can become magnificent. If you just take what you know. And do that because, see, here we are. We are like the Levites in the story. We come to church every week and we learn and we study and we want to know God. And we are, we're developing our, our knowledge. But he's saying, hey, reach out this week to somebody different. Reach out this week to somebody who doesn't look like you. Reach out this week to somebody who doesn't know you. Reach out this week to somebody who doesn't talk like you. Reach out to somebody who is not in the same social economic circle as you. Cross beyond that barrier and love. 
And don't make it so much about, are you comfortable? Am I comfortable? It's, is God comfortable with my loving today? Is God comfortable with my loving today? See, you never know. The person next to you, their faith could be on the line right now. I mean, right now. And we have a chance, even at church. Even at church. And today, I don't want you to just run off and head for the parking lot and fly out of here. I want you to stop and go, you know what? God, for real, who is around me that needs some prayer? Who is around me that just needs me to grab their hand and squeeze and say, it's going to be all right? Even though I don't know them, who can I reach out to and go beyond my circle and be a little bit like God today? And so I want to challenge you. I mean, I'm taking the challenge myself. You know, today I was listening to a, a, a CD in a language I do not understand. But you know what? I said, Father, you speak through every language. And so I'm going to receive. I know it's a Christian, so I'm going to receive whatever I'm receiving. I have to start out in worship with a different language. So I'm going to come today and challenge myself. And I want you to join the challenge with me. You have to make a pledge to love out loud. When you love people, guess what? You serve. You serve them. And you don't have a problem serving them. Because you love them. Because when that love is in you from God, you don't ever have a problem serving. Serving is a byproduct. You know, the things I do at home is a byproduct. I remember I used to do laundry. And I hated laundry. But I still hate it. It's something that multiplies at a rapid rate. And it seems that no matter what you do, it has little babies along the way. And it just continues to grow and grow. And so I used to not like the laundry. I remember one day the Lord gave me a revelation on him. And he said, it's, you're, you're looking at it wrong. You're looking at the laundry instead of the people you're doing it for. Instead of the people you're doing it for. So when I'm cooking and stuff, it's not that I like to cook, but I love the people I'm cooking for. I love my family. So it's very hard for me to, 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 to not do it because I want the best for them. So I do it because I love them. It's the same thing. You men, you know, you mow the lawn or you may fill up the gas. Hopefully in the name of Jesus, you're doing that for your wife. If not, that's a cue. That's a sign. That's a, that is a hint. <clears throat> Get thou the gas for the woman. So she can smell Lie Bath and Body Works instead of Exxon Mobil. <laughs> and you wonder why you're sleeping east to west. Just get the gas. Just get the gas. Help her with the grocery when, it come, when she comes home from the car. Do you know how, what, what a process it is to go to the grocery? If you're a single dad, I know you know. If you're a man who likes to cook, then I know you know. But for the rest of us, the majority... It is a process. You go into the store. You pick up the can. You pick up the meat. You pick up whatever. You put it into a basket. You take it out of the basket. Put it onto the conveyor belt. You take it from the conveyor belt. Put it into some smaller bags. Take those smaller bags and put it back into the original basket. Take that basket. Go to your car. Unload those smaller bags into your car. Return the basket, hopefully, to the cart section. Drive off. Then you go to your house and unload the little bags that were in the original basket. Then you take out each can, each meat, each pasta, and you put it now into the cabinet. And then you come and you have to take that back out now and begin to cook. And then you have the audacity to say, are we eating today? 
Have you lost your mind? That is a 25, 30 step process. And then you say, is dinner ready yet? What is wrong with? And then you want to know, oh, do you have a clean glass? But love, love, love is going to constrain us today. And um, we're going to show the love of Jesus while we are washing the glass and you are helping us. See, that, that's what we're going to do. We're going to do. Our kids are going to help us. Amen? Amen. So that's it. When you love out loud, you're going to pray for the person. You're going to serve the person. And you're going to freely have a heart towards the person. Because that's the love of God. Amen? Amen. If you would, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If you have never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior today, I want to challenge you to encounter this love. Encounter this love because it's an unconditional love. It's a love that's there that remains through thick and thin. It's a love that's there.